just say that Kip's a player at some point in there during this, so just know it's coming. Why? Because <laughs> I think it's hilarious. You good? Can you shut up now so I can get the <laughs> intro in? Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. This is the Confused Gentleman Show. My name is Kip. I'm here with my co-host, Christian and WD. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing, doing great. Well, man. How are you, man? Very good. Very good. This is part three of our masculinity mini series. If you are interested in learning about what we said on parts one and two, they are on all the platforms for you to listen, uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. And in parts one or two, we kind of discussed about raising a boy, raising a man, and that development into high school in the early adulthood. This episode, we're going to focus mostly as an adult, being a masculine man, being a man, embracing the masculinity and kind of just kind of see where this conversation uh leads over the next hour so we hope you're all excited here we've been wanting to record this for a little while but uh some of our co-hosts not named christian has put on the delay right. tactics and here me. we are so <laughs> let's get the show started boys uh the day was good i know you guys both worked yep yeah, yeah. i survived yeah, so. yeah busy as yeah. always Nobody sells PS5s. Go online. Just a PSA for everybody. I think I answered that 20 times a day at work. What about Xbox? <clears throat> Same. Don't okay. even, don't show up to my store. If you show up, I'm kicking you out. So, <laughs> okay. All right, uh, everyone. Like I said, we're going to kind of uh, continue this conversation. So, I wanted to start this off and I'm going to share this uh, article onto the, onto the Facebook page. Uh, once we post this, but I think it's a good way to start it. Um, I mentioned I sent this article to these guys. I have no idea if they mentioned it, but it came out of the Daily Wire. And if you don't know who the Daily Wire is, it is uh, Ben Shapiro's company. They are a conservative news network, uh, but they had an interesting article and a quote from this Kumal Nanjiani. They say that right, guys? I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's an actor. Yeah, yeah. He's an actor, I think, for best known in his roles in Silicon Valley on HBO. Mm. And they got another footnote here from Wikipedia, uh, starring in the romantic comedy The Big Stick. Okay. He was also a voice actor in the uh, the Lego, Lego Ninja, Ninjago. Not the Ninja, small Ninja. Twig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just he's a big time actor. He's He's been around the block, so he's here. Anyway, the title of the article is his quote. It says, traditional masculinity is a disease. Now, that's a pretty strong statement in my eyes. I don't think any character trait is technically a disease because what if you were to say that so, you know, femininity is a toxic disease or gay is a disease or mm-hmm. trust is is a disease. I don't think you can have it's too broad of a spectrum. A, right, a characteristic of that. So, here here was his his quote uh it's two parts first part here why did so many men stick with trump in 2020 the COVID 19 pandemic may have given given him a way to reach more masculine men many of those men actually like trump's shrug it off approach tweeted thomas deval traditional Hmm. masculinity is the disease responded nagiani the further quote goes on, I feel like we are in a time where we can talk about masculinity and how it's always been very traditionally defined in a narrow way and how that's led to problems for everyone, for women and men. The Hollywood Rep- Johnny told The Hollywood Reporter, 
it felt like it would be interesting to try and talk about the stuff in a traditional, very masculine genre. A buddy cop action comedy such as a Doom movie. So we thought it would be interesting to, to talk about dude issues that also affect the whole world in a traditional male genre. Let me get your initials reactions before I move on to what some other people responded to. What do you guys think? Well, I think that plays hand in hand with what is trying to be, I believe, forced down men's, boys, young men's throats by the media mm-hmm. right now. That's that's where we're at. I know we mentioned previously that you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the idea of a man, a traditional man, was this burly, you know, gruff guy. But now it's the complete opposite. They don't want you to be that. So it's how it's whatever agenda they're trying to push is you know, how they're how they're viewing what a man should be today. And with him, I mean, I don't want to generalize like he's generalizing masculinity as being a disease, but I don't want to generalize him as being a Hollywood actor because most Hollywood actors are on the left spectrum. So they're going to see through their eyes that, you know, uh, a strong, confident man is toxic, is not good for society. Well, I think I think too, kind of piggybacking off of that, it is a very broad brush that he paints with that, and you kind of get when you say traditional masculinity is a disease. Well, what's the definition of his traditional masculinity or society's de- definition of that? Because it has, like WD said, there's a political aim or a political push to get rid of masculinity as a whole. Um, so there's no way that could be a disease. I always say like people who fight for masculinity to be abolished are some of the people that need masculinity the most and not necessarily like they need to be masculine, but masculinity definitely plays its place in society. And a lot of people would not be where they are without it or would not be as safe or would not be as taken care of without masculinity. So, well, I, I agree with both of you. And it definitely sounds like the primary driver is a socio-political uh, direction. Like, it's not coming inherently. It's not coming from uh, guys just coming together and saying, you know what, we need to cool our jets a little bit. Like, this has been pushed uh, probably from, I'm sure we can find amp- examples into the early 2010s maybe the early 2000s, maybe even all the way back into the 90s. If you really look for it, you might be able to find it. Um, but I, I think this, I think the primary motive is politically in, in nature in political means. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have this utopia of genderless society and everyone looks the same and this, that, the other, you don't have that individuality. You don't have that, that uniqueness from one society or from one culture, one person from each other. And, and that just only gains to greater power and control for whoever's up top. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what, I think what he's saying also pertains to the, what we mentioned before of just the jackass attitude and how there are, you, you only see the examples of the, of the guys being assholes 
You don't mm-hmm. see, you know, and everyone, yeah, you'll get those YouTube clips of, of the hero saving the baby out of a burning car or the guy running into the river to open a car door or something like that. But that never gets celebrated enough. That doesn't, right, that doesn't get appreciated and talked about. It's like, good thing that he was there and he did that. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened. And that's two different extremes as well. Nobody really celebrates the day-to-day masculine man that takes care of his family, takes care of his house, his yard, all that provides for everybody in his, you know, not only his family, but his friend group, his church, what have you, in his community. That's not celebrated. But you shouldn't expect that uh, to be celebrated in a way because that's your duty as a man. You know, doing everything. No, I agree. Every, I'm sorry, every everyday things, you know. And I understand, I think what you're saying in a broad spectrum is that it should be celebrated. It shouldn't be categorized as being toxic mask, masculinity or it's a disease, as this guy likes to put exactly. it. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. When I read this article, I thought um, it was pretty cool that they, you know, they said the answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. Mm-hmm. And that completely yeah. plays into what we've been talking about the past two parts and, and this part is that it's how you raise your sons to be a, yeah. a good and decent human being. And you wouldn't have these A-list, I'm doing that in quotes, actors or politicians or whoever saying that there's this toxic, toxic masculinity around. I'm glad you brought that up. So let me finish this article there was a woman named Allie Stuckey, uh, and, and she put it well in a video for Prager U. And this was her quote. And was she proclaimed that society needs more masculinity to curtail violence, not less of it. So, quote, when you try to make men more like women, you don't get less toxic masculinity. You get more. Why? Because bad men don't become good when they stop being men. They become good when they stop being bad. Aggression, violence... An unbridled ambition can't be eliminated from the male psyche. They can only be harnessed. And when they are harnessed, they are tools for good, not for harm. The same masculine traits that bring destruction also defeat tyranny. The traits that foster greed also build economies. The traits that drive men to take foolish risks also drive men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. And we know what that looks like. It's a young man opening the door for a girl on the first date. It's a father's working long hours to provide for the family. It's a soldier risking his life to defend the country. The growing problem in today's society isn't that men are too masculine, it's they are not masculine enough. When men embrace their masculinity in a way that is healthy and productive, they are leaders, warriors, heroes. When they deny their masculinity, they run away from the responsibilities, leaving destruction and despair in, their, in the wake. End quote. I think she put that beautifully. I agree. It's, it's really interesting. It's coming from a woman's perspective mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it's it's what she said is kind of what we've been wanting to say, but she put it a lot more elegant, eloquently than we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like definitely, definitely. Um, I think uh, I think uh, what we can I want to focus in here is she talks about the male psyche. We have the push for greater mental health awareness. But I don't think we have the push for accepting the mentality of a person. Right. Right? We're so quick to just say, oh, let's get you help for the mental problem instead of trying to embrace your mental attitude. And let me bring an example to that. 
a few episodes ago, well, actually it was earlier, I think it was episode two or three, I talked about my struggle with depression and me seeing a, a counselor and the struggles of being a new father and essentially me having postpartum. I went into the therapy sessions not wanting to be cured of depression, but rather learning tools to help figure myself out and better myself to control my emotions. I think we're way too quick to just say, well, I can get you on antidepressant and that should help. Mm. Right? So why do you guys think there's this disconnect? Well, I think that that goes into a different realm than just um, masculinity is, is a disease when they're trying to prescribe you something like that. I think that goes into this whole pushing medication for treatment, not prevention, right? So you should already have been set up with tools before you guys had a baby. Right. So there should have been there. Maybe there, there are, you know, um, but there should have been classes for dads, for future dads, first time dads that, Hey, you may experience this. They have that for mothers all the time. You're probably going to experience some sort of postpartum depression as a mom, right? That's probably almost every single mom has had that dads either a, we all have it. And some of us show it. Some of us don't, some of us seek help. Some of us don't, whatever. You should be given those tools beforehand. If you're given those tools, then I feel like you wouldn't have to necessarily seek out that counseling. Or if you do, it you may be able to ask or uh, yeah, ask different questions instead of saying, "Hey, you know," or having the um, the psychologist or psychiatrist prescribe you an antidepressant because that's that's just a quick fix, and it's not even a quick fix, or it's not even a fix really. It's kind of like a band aid. Right, because you're not getting to the to the root of the problem, which you know you expand on that in your episode um, a while back. But yeah, to me, it's if you had the tools, and this goes like we said earlier, if you have if you're a father to your son, you should be showing him different things throughout his life that he's he may incur, and that you know that includes having kids. You know, hey, this is how mm-hmm. I felt when I had, you know, when we had you, <laughs> you know, right. you know, not, not a lot of dads like to talk about that, especially dads that are our, our dad's age, you know, it's a mm, different generation. Definitely. They're not outspoken. Our generation's more outspoken, still not as outspoken as we probably should be. And I think the generation after us is a little bit more outspoken in that way. So wh- why do you I'm think clear. that is? Why do you think our two generations are different? And I got a follow-up question to this. I think, you know, my dad always says probably the most respected men are the one who don't who talk the less. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the sense that um, those guys who are in your community who don't or who aren't loud, who aren't, hey, look at me, those guys who when they talk, everybody stops what they're doing and listens. And I think that's kind of the, I guess, trope, I guess you could say, or the characteristic that I know my dad's kind of kept up with and has done in his life is my dad's not really outspoken a lot, but when he does speak, you're like, well, that I'm glad to listen to that. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, that, that made sense. Well, um, and I think well, that, a lot of our parents have that. Yeah. And, but that goes also into what I, I want to, I'm generalizing the media, but what's being portrayed is that they want men to be more emotional, right? They want you to talk mm-hmm. about your feelings. They want you to, to say what's on your mind, but 
you know, if we sometimes say what's on our mind, that could be taken as being toxic masculinity in the fact of you're being aggressive, you're you're being mean. Well, no, this is me talking it out and hopefully you're listening so we can have a conversation. And yeah, go ahead, Kip. Well, yeah, talk it out, but then it there gets to the point where you just start having these snowball of detours that you got to navigate as a person and i think that's what's struggling and confusing for a lot of guys like you said okay you want me to be more open and more talkative and and more in touch with my emotions than my dad okay i can make that happen i do xyz but then that person will be claimed to be in a jerk if he physically acts a certain way okay Mm -hmm. so then he tiptoes around and he goes down this way and then well, you said hurtful words to me. So now, now what do I got to say? Now that tiptoes to a different way. So you have a guy trying to figure out which way do I need to go to not offend anybody, not hurt anyone, respect myself, respect every, respect others, while still trying to be myself as a person. right? And I think now we're seeing this clash of forces coming together where – you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You're damned if you speak out against something, but you're damned for not talking about it in the first place. And we're, and we're left, all, yeah. the three, well, I know the three of us were all shaking our heads, and I'm sure a lot of guys listening are like, damn right, they got something. They, they, they're saying what we've been thinking about all the time. And that goes for every relationship that we have. The, into the school, in, with your teachers, with your principals, with your coworkers, with your bosses, with your wives, with your girlfriends, with your kids. Everything is trying to navigate a certain way. And look at – if you just kind of step back and you look at what what I'm going to call successful marriages, couples that have been together for 20, 25, 30 years, okay? Been through it all. Kids, problem. You know those couples when you see them, like those two love each other even though they fight all the time or even though they, even though they may say like bizarre things or – the the you know the guy will go out for poker night on a drop of a dime right but that that relationship has blossomed over 20 years right they know who each other how they each other acts and how they behave and they're both okay with it right so what's some so what do you want to idolize more <laughs> like do you want the successful marriage of 25 30 40 years where both partners are happy, both are complacent, both are, you know, they do their thing, but, or do you want the fake marriage where there's all the fighting in the background and they put on the front for Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, but then it goes into, are you compromising and you shouldn't compromise in your marriage, right? Because, and especially yeah. I think it leans more towards the, 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 the women in the relationship is, you know, we do want women to be strong, independent, you know, um, self-sufficient and all of that. And, you know, like my wife, she's independent woman, strong-willed and all of that. So it's like, yeah, we, we've had to learn to compromise each of us with certain things. And I believe that's made the relationship better. You know, obviously there's growing pains, you know. <laughs> a marriage is different from being in a, a fiancé or in an engagement or even in a girlfriend-boyfriend relationship. It's completely different. Well, I think too often guys are too scared to say anything in the beginning. 
right? They are. That that's very true. But I also think that your SO significant other can't it can't it can't accept it or they're not able to accept it yet, or they think maybe that's just too strong in such early time. Well, I'll tell you what, personally, Molly's very mom's Molly's a huge planner and she just kinda this is what I need done, and I'm going to just go ahead and plan for it and get this done, no matter what. And which is, and me, I'm very go with the flow, we'll figure it out as we go type person. So early in our marriage, she took care of a lot of the things around the house and whatnot because I was, you know, working or what have you. And at some point, I realized that, like, I don't think I'm really leading. I just feel like I'm just doing, you know, day in and day out type stuff in my marriage. And I kind of had to have that conversation of, what do you want me to be doing? <laughs> like, what's your expectation of me? You know, because I, I mean, there's an expectation I have for you, but what's your expectation of me? Because early on in my marriage, I was super selfish. Like, I was just like, I'm going to do whatever I want to. It was a hard transition going from, uh, you know, just dating to being engaged and married. Because when you're dating, I feel like that person, like, you're not... Like, it doesn't matter when you're dating. Molly still was uh, in charge of putting food on her own table, right? Like, she still had to take care of her, herself. But when you're married, I now I'm at 100% have to provide for her, right? And that's, like, my duty as a husband. Um, and that was a huge transition for me mentally was stop being selfish and bu- buying everything I want and doing everything I want with my time to you know what I, now you, I got to – You know what I find ironic you just scarfed what? down Wendy's by yourself, and I know you didn't get her Wendy's on the way home, did you? You say that, but she got McDonald's on the way home, so jokes on you. <laughs> but I think that I think this that's a perfect little segue. I know we were probably I think we were saving this for kind of towards the end of the episode, but I'm going to say it right now, anyways. But right. I think if you go back to our intro to this masculinity series, mm-hmm. I asked Christian a question that I want him to answer at some point uh, in these parts. And that question is, in the Bible, it states that women or your wife should serve your husband. Mm-hmm. So how does that play in relation to being toxic masculinity right? and being a man and being of Christian faith like Christian is? How do right. you balance that without coming off as being a, a douche? Well, before there's a ver- there's the passage I'll, I'll read that really covers this, uh, but I think first off I think there's a huge disconnect between uh, what actual following Christians believe of submission and leadership than society because I think when society hears submit and lead and lead you're like oh no you just want your wife to cook and clean for you all the time and you know you know pretty much be your slave and all you do is work and you know hang out with the boys and go to poker night like kip said and i think a lot of people a lot of people are like well no that's not what you need to do and obviously us that's not how we see our wives right like they're not solely there to feed our needs um and i think that's a huge disconnect in faith is a lot of people just kind of hear that quote unquote highlights are like well that doesn't make sense Right. Or that's not how it should be, which obviously I would agree. Like, (laughs) like your wife's not there to cook and clean for you and you to do nothing. It's a give and take. 
Uh, so let me read the passage that most of this comes from. It's Ephesians 5, uh, 22 through the end of the chapter. It's kind of lengthy, so give me a moment to read through it, and I'll kind of explain it more in depth here. Um, so it starts, as says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church, to himself, a splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, again, kind of a lengthy passage, but you see first it talks about wives submitting to their husbands, uh, to their husbands as to the Lord. Um, that goes back to your relationship with Christ. Obviously, all things that we do, we, we give our life to God. And we submit to his teachings. And what it's saying there is submit to your husband and to his leadership. Um, but what follows is what you should also be submitting to, which is pretty much what you see here is, wives, I need you to submit like to the church or to the Lord, excuse me. But husbands, I need you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Now, what did Christ do? He died for the church, for the big C church, for his followers. So husbands need to be able to die to themselves every day to serve, to love, to care for their wife. So this isn't, uh, I'm the man of the house. You do what I want to, woman. It's no, I love you so much. How can I serve you? And in, in that, your wife's going to respect you and want to serve and support you back. If that makes sense. Now, also, what it talks about is sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water in the word so that he might present to the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. He's saying, husbands, take care of your wives. Make sure they're holy. Lead them to God. Serve them. Love them. How do you wash something? You can't wash something without acting, right? So how we wash or how we care for our wives is through actions, through service, it's through care, it's through love, right? And that's what the wives are supposed to submit to, isn't where they're not supposed to submit to men because we're men. They submit to us because we love them and we care for them and we try to take care of their needs and we lead them to Christ, that's what that means. So when when you see that women should submit to their husbands, there's a huge expectation that these husbands are worth some being submitted to. 
Obviously, there are instances, unfortunately, in marriages that aren't successful. And you do see some extremes in that, that, you know, some husbands do think, uh, you know what, I should be the head of the household, you should do what you want. And that's not right. Because all of us men are called to serve and love our wives and make sure that they're without blemish at the end of their life. So when we are able at the end of our life to go to God, we can present our wives to him and say, look, I took care of your daughter and I took care of her all the way through the end. So no matter what happened in between that time, I served, I loved, and I cared for her. And she supported me through that. So that's what that submissiveness is. It's a support. You need a teammate in life. And if you take care of your wife, she's going to take care of you. So talking about women supporting or being submissive, husbands have to be able or be willing to die to themselves to be worth being supported. I know that was a long explanation, but... I still don't, I still don't think I you answered the question, though. I, no, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think you did. I, I think that that those verses, because uh, right when you started um, uh, saying them uh, in my head, you know, I was like, that's the perfect thing to tell someone who thinks men are being toxic by the women, by women, you know, cleaning, cooking, and all of that, because. Like you said, it's it's not that that's an expectation, but that's mm-hmm. that's serving the family, that's serving you. You men are part of the family; mm-hmm. they're serving the family. Now, that does not mean that men cannot cook or clean, or that they right. shouldn't, or right. have their wives be the only ones. But, um, I, I yeah, your explanation to me. Uh, Brother Brown was uh, was great. Brother Brown. Uh, Hey, I appreciate it. Well, Kip, I kind of understand what you're saying is why should women submit to their husbands? And I guess in a very – how would you – what's your thought process? I want to answer it for you as well. I don't know what my question would be in this realm. So when Dubs asked the question, I -hmm. thought he was asking more specifically – to your to you and Molly, not mm-hmm. in a general in terms of a cut Christianity type of look. Okay, all right. So, what's stopping someone from having that very uh, stereotypical man of the household woman submit? What if they that works for them? And, and the thing is, that's fine. But there has to be that conversation of expectation. Okay. You know, I talked about right. earlier about expectations. Right. Okay. So let's say that they come that now think of all the outside influences. Right. Right. The women, the wives, friends, right. And colleagues mm-hmm. and coworkers who start hammering to her. That's not right. He shouldn't tell you what to do. That, 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 right. that. I don't, I don't know. How she could approach that situation without not making the guy sound like an ass. Well, but well, if it, the if the woman is steadfast in her mm-hmm. her way, in her faith, or just in her personality, that you yeah. don't have to be. This does not have to be faith based. It could mm-hmm. just be being a like I keep hammering this every single uh, uh, on these episodes, but being a decent human being that comes for females and males. 
is mm. there's that compromise. Yeah, you're serving your husband. Your husband's serving you in a different way. Like, if she's steadfast in her thinking like that, it shouldn't matter about the influence from right. the outside. But I see what you're saying, Kip, though. And I agree, WD, that, uh, again, we have that conversation of expectations. If the expectation, if, you're, if your husband's expectation is, I expect you to cook clean while I work a 12-hour shift every day, and when I get home, I want food on the table, and you're 100% okay because that's your thought of what a wife should be, then that's cool. Well, when you have those discussions with outside influence, you, like... WD said should be steadfast enough to say, hey, no, this is actually a conversation we've had and this is the lifestyle we want. But again, with those expectations, still a man is loving and supporting his wife the same way the wife's loving and supporting. It just looks different. So there's no problem with having that type of structure, but that structure can't be forced. It has to be agreed upon and there has to be, again, that love in that to make that work. You know, I, what I found interesting is I'm, I'm thinking back to our conversation when Dub brought this question up, and I think I remember saying that you and I would probably agree more on this question than differ. Yeah, and you did say that. I did, and I'm trying to be combative with you. I'm trying to <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> trying to to get things going, but <clears throat> you could take religion out of this and make this down to a compromise situation. Yeah, and the yeah, and the importance definitely. of of marriage expectations. And that's a whole part of the dating scene, which is why you shouldn't be married after three months of dating somebody. Right. One of my guilty pleasures is watching 90 day fiance. Love that. Yes. Yes. Love it. It is. It is. I will sit down with a big bowl of popcorn and binge like the longest train wreck I've ever seen in my life. But you have these people trying to form relationships and they hardly work out. Some have, they can, but I, I don't, I, I, this is again me being the the against the religion component where I'm like you don't need the faith faith in there, but I understand how having a faith and having uh, the readings and the verses can help bridge that gap so you can negotiate with yourself with your partner to feel comfortable in your own marriage. And I'll bring up a prime example, and I won't share any names because I haven't told them I'd be talking about this. There is friends of mine where I think they were going through a troubling time at some point. Um, but eventually, long story short, they they fought over some stuff and this, that, the other. And they had this power struggle back and forth. But it kind of came down to them reconnecting with their church. And I don't remember what faith they are. But – I distinctly remember her saying something that kind of caught me off guard. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And it was basically around, I'm paraphrasing what she said was, through me going to church and through the Bible studies and, and the things like that, I've come to realize that my husband is not trying to control me, but rather work with me. And what I learned is that the my role as a wife is very special. And she brought it, and I remember her saying, she goes, I am the only one that can be his wife. I am the only one that can do what he wants me to do. And that it was like a switch for her. 
and kind of uh, all of a sudden this cohesiveness started coming together. And that stuck with me. Now, this has been five, six years probably, if not longer. So I, I would encourage couples to find something to latch onto. If it is a, a faith-based, if it is scripture, if it is whatever, to help you bridge that gap and to help you make the connection with your partner to grow emotionally, mature emotionally, and actually have, you know, a quality marriage. You know, does how long you been married? Seven years, eight years. You really gonna call me out on this podcast? I see. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Lucy. No, uh, <laughs> no. What's up, uh, March March second will be eight years. Okay, so I'm seven. Nice. Yeah, 2013. Two. Yeah, you're you're September first, right? <laughs> yeah, September first. Yeah. Wait, March tenth. Second. Second. What? What's the tenth? Just said that. What's the tenth? Something's the tenth. Anyway, Henry's this, birthday is the thirteenth. Maybe I'm thinking that. Anyway, so. I think there's a big difference between me and Dubs in our marriages versus you and Molly. Because you guys, what, a year? A little, a little over a year? Two years? A little over, a little over yeah. two years, yeah. And like you said earlier, you're starting to you're starting to come around to your role and expectations. Exactly. We've got this hammered out pretty closely <laughs> to where me and Dubs mm-hmm. are. We still have our, our battles, but it's yeah. it, it it's just evolving. Again, like what I said earlier, you look at the couples that have been 20, 30 years – yeah, there's a formula there that shouldn't be changed, mm-hmm. and that should that right. formula should be idolized for the greater good. So let let's take a detour off the uh, off the uh, religion part. Let's talk about the realm of dating. Okay, mm-hmm. I never dated much. I'm surprised I have a wife. Quite honestly. I'm surprised I was able to achieve this and, and not only just get a wife, but now I have a son. So uh, I think that is goes above and beyond what I thought was going to happen in my yeah. life. Um, Kips like score and double. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so through my through, – through work, I work with a lot of ladies and a lot of ladies who mm-hmm. are in their early 20s and they talk about how dating is just abysmal for them right now. What happened? What I, I was never good at, it. never, never was never good at dating. But I think when I did date, I dated okay. I won't say well, but I think I was a good dater. <laughs> you would say I would. I'll take you. I would open doors. I would mm-hmm. be the respectful person. I would, you know, actually have a conversation, talk on the phone, you know, shake hands with. You know the girl's parents, right? You right. know, and call them Mister and Missus. I know you guys say Sir and Ma'am down south, but you know we go Mister Missus yeah. up here. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. honk at the driveway and say, "Hey, come on out." You know, now it Ooh. now everyone now everyone you know, hey, I'm here, come on out. You know, they text them. Right. I think that'd be impressive for young men now if you want to impress the girl and the the parents to you know do those little things. It's gonna show. Definitely. I think uh, so. I'm be a little transparent with y'all coming off being, you know, the quote unquote godly husband (laughs) that I am. Yeah, to turn to Jesus, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I jokingly had that. He's a player, baby. To Kip in the other in the past podcast. 
but honestly, not tooting a horn, not proud of it. But I was a player um, in middle school and high school. And player means like I had multiple girlfriends, had a girlfriend, different girlfriend, like every month, if not every week. Um, and my mom will actually contest to this. She stopped taking me to my girlfriend's house because she literally was like, I go to three different houses a month, Christian. I'm not taking you to any more girlfriend's <laughs> houses. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, either they can come here or your dad can take you. And she still laughs at this to this day. I'm like, what? You know what? <laughs> I was like, your boy had to get out there and play the field, man. But uh, again, jokingly say that dating uh, for me um, as, as a young guy, I never dated to try to find a wife. I never dated really to be serious. I dated for what's fun today. What can you do for me? Um, can you do anything physically? Can you do anything emotionally? Like, can I talk to you or your friends? Like I actually had a friend, her name's Sam. Uh, she was my best friend. She was a girl, and like I never tried to hit on her because she could beat me up, probably. But <laughs> but she was my best yeah, that's friend. That's why you and take jujitsu that way, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. No, but but really, she was a great friend. But she would even call me out like, "Bro, you gotta stop dating girls." And I was like, "I don't know what." Like I was like, literally in high school, it was football, other sports, food, girls. <laughs> like it was. And, and unfortunately, that kind of that followed me uh, all the way up until college. And it is difficult because, Kip, you said, you know, you didn't really date a whole lot. But I'm sure you knew some jerks like me that probably had a, you know, oh, yes. different girlfriend and yeah. all that. And, and honestly, I'm sure there was, you know, I'm not saying that you envied, but I know there's some people that envy that person that can, you know, talk to anybody and get a girlfriend whenever. And honestly, guys, if that's who you are, if you're the player, that's nothing to be proud of. Uh, I'll be completely transparent. There was a hole in my heart, and I was trying to fill it with as many things as possible. And girls were never actually people to me. It was more so uh, how can I how, how can I pretty much take care of myself? And you just so happen to be uh, the thing I chose that week. Um, and, and that's bad to say. I mean, I'm being honest. There's a it, it's song not, from out there about the play, well, flavor of the week. No. Flavor of the week, yeah. Is. Flavor of the week, yeah. I mean, objectifying one hundred percent, and and that that's a big thing. Is a lot of people see that guy and like, I want to be that guy. No, you don't. There's a lot of things going on. Like during that time, my mom had cancer. I was running away from that, using my girlfriend, you know, using girls to run away from that emotionally. I I was going through some other things in my life. And that's just how I chose to cope with it. So, you know, I used to tell people like everybody goes to school, they go drink, they go party and all that. Like I never did drugs. I, I you know, I didn't drink till I, I didn't drink heavily till I was 21. Uh, but I definitely dated and had relationships uh, with girls. And, and that was my vice uh, all through uh, first year of college until I truly gave my life to Christ. And even then, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't like a flip switch. It really wasn't. There's a funny story that I went to went to my first Bible study after I became a Christian, and my <laughs> and my uh, Bible study leader Tevin he goes, uh, "Hey guys, who do y'all think? Who, how many of y'all think you're all ready for a relationship?" And all these guys have been in this Bible study for like 
months now. And all of them were like, nah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then I was like, you're dang straight I'm ready. Who am I going out with this week? You know, where are we going? And like, you could just tell like all, everybody cut eyes at me. And like, that was not the answer I was supposed to give. And it was super awkward. And like, I just remember they all kind of like laughed for like, and then now like we still talk about, it, they all laugh at me. I was like, I was like totally serious. Like I wasn't like trying to get laughs. I was like, that's, that was just my mindset was who am I dating this week? Who am I talking to? So on and so forth. So, uh, it's difficult. Yeah. I just find it interesting. I look at what some of these teenagers and young adults do in terms of dating. And I'm just astounded. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Like, I, I don't know if that's the appropriate response or no, that's why I say, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do, but I know that's not the right answer. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think social media has given a lot of men uh, pretty much permission to say and do whatever they want without multiple con- without any consequences. I know growing up, me like we had just started te- texting and stuff, and there was kind of like that that technological wall up, I guess you could say. Uh, but for a long time, there was it. And I think this social media allows men to be toxic without a lot of repercussions in their in their relationships, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I got nothing against that. Yeah. So. And, and then, then you got, you know, swipe left, swipe right. Uh, you know, right. all that hookup culture, which that's a huge problem. That might have to be a whole other episode. I don't think we have enough time to go for that. So, yep. if you remember from last episode, uh, to listeners, we sent out questions to a handful of people. And we got a lot of responses back. I know I got about 12 responses here, guys. You, you guys got yours up? Yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I got a few. Okay. I got a few, So, too. the questions were, what qualities do you think represent a man? Do you think toxic masculinity is a thing? And what is that to you? Should men pursue the advancement of being masculine and should they move away from recent culture voicing men, men embrace your feminine side? Do you think society has caused men to be afraid of being masculine? I think we have kind of covered questions three and four already. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so, yeah. so if, yeah. if you guys are reading through your responses or seeing what people mm-hmm. wrote and they, you know, something comes up uh, that you find interesting. You know, let, let's hear it. But uh, focusing on, on question one, most of my people kind of all said the same thing. Like, same with mine. I, I got a lot mm, of same. integrity, hard work, ethic, loyal, honest, uh, good provider. That's kind of what I, I – that seems to be the synonymous around what all, I All of mine had godly. Mm-hmm. Godly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. But my my uh, mind said like take care of the family. My dad said takes out the trash sometimes as well. <laughs> but like you know taking care of your household things and whatnot. But yeah, but yeah, godly was in every single response from my first one. Mm-hmm. Protect question. Yeah, protector a few times. Yep. Yep. Protect. Yep. Strong and gentle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. Yep. Kind of going through somebody. So I had a guy answer. He's in his 30s. Dependable, protective, supportive, rational, calm in a stressful situation. Found it quite quite interesting. So let's move on to uh, question two. This I found fascinating with my responses. Okay. 
Do you think toxic masculinity is a thing? And what is that to you? Of all my responses, only one of them knew what toxic masculinity was. Or, Same. or only one thought it was a thing. That's, that's funny. Because I had one person say they didn't even know what it is. I had, so. I had a few of those, mm. yeah. So that to me, that begged the question, are we bringing up a topic that is not even that important? <laughs> like doesn't play that doesn't play in mainstream thinking. I I think it's it's trying to be forced. I think there's a, a heavy uh, workload by the by the powers that be that mm-hmm. are trying to push an agenda to um, to make this a mainstream topic. I think it is. I I, I think I think so toxic too. toxic masculinity is 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 around um, or is being portrayed as it's being around. But I think that's being misconstrued with the fact mm-hmm. of someone just being a man is being yeah. called toxic. So. Well, it's funny cause my dad didn't really know what, uh, what it was either, but he goes, I think if you spend too much time being macho, that could be toxic. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I get that's kind of what we were saying. And in, in our definition early on was if you're, if you're going around saying you're masculine and being a, you know, quote unquote macho man, you're probably not a masculine man or you're definitely being toxic. I had a so. uh, female in her twenties answer this. Uh, toxic man, toxic masculinity to me is a man who shows off when he cares too much about appearance and how things are. I would agree with it. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's definitely. what we talk about—the chauvinistic that, that mm-hmm. you know, quite interesting. Yeah, my my dad said that he doesn't think toughness is even talked about nearly as much, and he just thinks chivalry, you know, that is dying. He said if it's not dead already. I I got this one. I thought was kind of funny too. To that, I never heard of toxic masculinity, and was even confused about it fused about what it means when I try to Google it. Try explaining it to me and maybe I can answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> but I think too though, I think that's actually a good thing that in, in some of our circles it's not as pressed upon or as known because I think if you have toxic men that's brought up more in that social circle if that makes sense. But if you actually have solid men that's not brought up because that's not an issue, if if that makes sense. Yes, it does to me. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading another response here, and I'm wondering if I want to read it out loud to you guys. Do it. Okay. okay. So this was in response to question number three. Shouldn't I pursue mm-hmm. the advancement of being masculine? And this is a little bit of a long response. I think any anyone, man or woman, should be able to pursue anything they want. If they want to be masculine, fine. If they want to be feminine, fine. And they should be able to express themselves without judgment any way they want, as long as they don't try and tell someone else how to believe how they believe is wrong. For example, someone who is metrosexual shouldn't bash a gym rat because they choose to be ripped to work out, just like a jock shouldn't judge a gay person for being feminine. I think a guy can be whatever they want as long as they are ju- they are judging or pro- projecting their wa- as long as they are not judging or projecting their ways in other men. I also think think it's sad that men are taught not to have or talk about their feelings, which is considered feminine, to do. It's not feminine, though. It's just being a human. You're not a girl for crying over a breakup. You're a human for being sad, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar response to that. It yeah. was, I mean, this person, they, they did say they, 
they don't find it attractive for a man to be feminine. Yeah. Um, but being emotional doesn't mean you're a woman. Doesn't make you a, right. You know, have feminine emotions. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a type of person that I I'm very uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes. So, but I don't think I've ever I don't think that's bad though. So this was my favorite response, and this came from another guy. He's in his late 30s, early 40s, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Referencing number two, do you think toxic masculinity is a thing? I do not believe in toxic masculinity at all. Certainly some guys can be macho chauvinistic assholes, but the term toxic masculinity to me is taking this to an extreme and many times is used to marginalize traditional masculine behavior that is perfectly normal and healthy. As long as men have the emotional intelligence to understand what is appropriate behavior in given situations, then there should be no issues with men being men. I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that was a good sum. What about you guys? Got any quite any answers you want to highlight that you have? No, I mean, mine were basically just all. The, I mean, honestly, they were talk. pretty much sums. I mean, they were all alike too which was interesting for the most part so yeah it's true so i what do you guys conclude from this little experiment with these questions i like i said earlier i are we just more in tune with culture and society and are we more aware of things or we're woke uh, <laughs> we're woke. <laughs> you know, then I got another. Uh, one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to going off what you're saying, I, I think there is that. I think there is there there are people that just they they don't care, you know, like yeah. the media or whoever can say whatever they want, but they're gonna believe mm-hmm. in what they believe in. They have their set of values and standards, and that's what they're going to live by. And they're not going to be influenced by by outside influencers. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that just because we recognize that that we yeah. Go ahead, Kip. I don't got. I'm waiting for you to figure out what you want to say. I know. I I, got, I lost my train of thought there. Thank you. Um, All right. Yeah, all right, that's all right. Totally so lost, lost we, we got a few Sorry. more minutes here, guys, and I, I wanted to bring up one more little topic. Uh, let's just spend a couple minutes on this, and I want to talk about bro code. Okay. Yeah. Do you think bro code falls can lead into toxic masculine behavior, or do you think bro code is a thing I, that guys should adhere to and understand? And we can bring up examples. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- think it should be more of a gentleman code than a bro code. Uh, I think bro code. I think I mean bro code. Yeah, it, it flows. It's it, it rolls off the tongue easy, whatever. But I think that's also kind of a immature thing because I yeah. think it. You say bros before hoes. That's bro code. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like that. That's not bro code. That's just no. you know. That's that's a funny thing to yeah. say when you're. You're not, you know, a, a, a man, if you will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, gentleman code, like we said, call out your, your guy, for, like your mm-hmm. friends, if you see them acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, we all have those moments. You all get caught yeah. up in, in doing something, and it's nice mm-hmm. to get checked, because then you're like, okay, that was too much. 
I can learn from that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong right. with that. And, and it should go on too. Like if if your guy wants to go out with his girl or go hang with his girl instead of you guys, you can give him hell, tease him, whatever. Yeah. But you got to respect his decision to do what he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, he's trying to better his life. Right, right. you're right, and and, and, and I think be all for that. I think a lot of those times when when you got your group of guys, oh, you you want to go hang out with the girl, blah blah blah. It's just them projecting because they don't have a girl, right? And, mm. and jealousy, jealousy, jealousy yeah. issues, right? Mm-hmm. So I I don't I don't necessarily you know let them do what they want to do, and, and you're a better bro for not intervening and, and letting things just kind of play out and do what they got to do. But there's a time and a place for everything. Uh, I, I got a joke about bro code and, and the saying, if you want to hear it. Sure. Sure. So, you know, like W said, bro code, you know, bros before hoes. And, and I don't necessarily believe in that. I, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a balance, a, a homie ho stasis, if you say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but wow. Okay. So let's put a bow on this episode as we're in the, entering the Christmas season. Dub, give us a dub nugget. Let's get out of here. Yeah, of course. Um, so a little factoid about the Adam's apple. All right. <laughs> so Adam's apple, obviously, it's in the neck. Um, it's unique to adult males. Um, it's the result of the growth of the larynx during puberty. But did you know it's derived from the biblical account of Adam eating the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden? Wow, huh. I did not. I didn't even put that together till just yeah. now. Yeah, I know. I didn't either until I read it. And I'm like, huh. when I ever I hear about huh. Adam's apple, I always think of the Friends episode where Joey calls it his Joey apple. You ever? <laughs> seen, seen, you thought everyone, yes. you know, Joey's apple, Mad Apple. <laughs> so, well, side note: Friends is overrated. Anyways, oh, yeah, I said that to the masses. That's fine. All right, where do you put it on with Seinfeld then? Uh, basically terrible A, terrible B. Oh my God! Wow. You're talking about two just, iconic I, sitcoms. I know. I, I what about Office? What about the Office? The, okay, the Office. Yeah, that's that's up here. <laughs> okay, okay, that's I can here. get on with that. All right, we're gonna have, we're gonna have, not, not, we're gonna have to have huh? a sitcom episode. That's fine by me. <laughs> I will put. It's gonna be sick. Oh, nothing beats Family Matters. Family Matters is good. Step by step. Step by step was good. Boy yeah, Meets World is good. Boy Meets Boy World, meets world was that. good. Friends, so, Seinfeld. Girl Meets World was good too. It is good, but they got too cheesy with it. I agree, but the nostalgia was really nice. It was very what, nice. What was? Girl, girl Meets uh, World. Girls meet, girl Meets World. It's the uh, boy Corey meets world. Corey and Topanga are married. They're growing up. Yeah, I know. I don't do that new stuff. Sorry. Well, that's right. Like, you could... That's a perfect example. You, you can see the society influence of how that show is produced in the scripts Definitely. versus what Boy mm-hmm. Meets World. And there yep. needs to be a lot more Mr. Feeney's roaming around this earth. I agree. <laughs> to, to really put it all together. Beedy. 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 That's going to do it for this episode of The Confused Gentlemen. We closed up the masculinity mini series that we had planned for you. We hope you all enjoyed it. We did put some work in here and I know there's a lot that we couldn't get to or that we wanted to get to. If this topic really interested you or you want us to discuss more maybe specific situations, scenarios, leave a comment, send us a question, whatever. We'll be happy to answer that. 
Uh, next episode or next week, we got a, a Christmas episode coming in. So plan on having mm-hmm. some holly jolly good times with that. And I will discuss my displeasure with the Christmas season and everything that I think is wrong with it. Wow. And how it should only be from the 21st through the 25th. On that note, you guys have a wonderful night. And we will see you next time. Uh, see that you feels guys. terrible. Bye. <laughs> 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 it's a play, baby. <laughs>